this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Oh man, uh, this this film is a is a favorite of mine. As well as me and my wife, we can we kind of watch it all the time. Uh, but the main reason I chose it is, you know, you're, the the whole film is watching a man progressively kind of lose his shit, you know, and, and kind of <laughs> basically realize he has, you know, he's he's at his last straw. He is staring injustice down in the face mm-hmm. in all these different ways and you know in this pre-digital early 90s chicago southern chicago or southern illinois kind of thriller you know you're just watching this man lose it and and really on the run not caring and i mean caring enough to stay sleuthy and stay you know on on the low of everything but he's just losing it and and you're on the ride with him and and it's Harrison Ford, you know, it's like <laughs> Han Solo is a fugitive and you're watching him like lose his, his mind. Indiana Jones is on the run, you know, yeah. yet again. So, uh, but it's a real, that, that was like the main reason was just like, just the progression of this man's madness, you know, was really cool to witness in this kind of fugitive context. Welcome to Open Forum. I'm Michael Dentel Smith. Helen Kimball, wife of the esteemed vascular surgeon Dr. Richard Kimball, has been killed. All available evidence points to Richard as the killer, and as such, he is quickly tried, convicted of murder, and sentenced to death. The bus transporting him to death row is overtaken by his fellow inmates, but causes a huge crash, which provides Richard with an opportunity to escape. Now on the run and in search of his wife's actual murderer, Richard must also evade Sam Gerard, the veteran U.S. Marshal brought in to hunt him down. This week's film is The Fugitive, and it was chosen by Jose Vadi, author of the new essay collection, Interstate, Essays from California. And like you, I've seen it, I can't count how many times, right? Like, love the food like love the film and love the progression of action and everything but i had never thought of it in terms of this like you're watching the deterioration of this man right like who is this complete upstanding model citizen right like for everything that the united states of america is like he is the (laughs) embodiment of all of its hopes and dreams its standard bearer for who is a great citizen right like he is everything and he goes to the absolute bottom right and (laughs) and you see that mentally like he is adjusting to that or trying to at least like he's attempting to to navigate the loss of all of that and you're right it's just like it's it's sort of just like that i I have not thought of it until you just said that as like a mental thriller as much as like that sort of like adrenaline pumping kind of uh, film. Totally. Yeah. And it's, and you're right. Like he really does embody so many aspects of the American dream. 
you know, um, this guy, you, you find out that he's like this very respected cardiovascular surgeon, you know, um, you, you know, he has like this, this, this case is so large in the Chicago public eye because of like the prominence of this guy, you know, he, I imagine this guy has all these tax write-offs to wonderful charities, you know, <laughs> like he's just, he's philanthropic, you know, and, um, but, but, you know, there's, there's all these clues along the way where he's like slowly losing it. Like when he, you know, he calls into his lawyer from a payphone and he lies and he's like, I'm in St. Louis because he's mm -hmm. kind of realizing like, oh, this guy can't help me because I am an indeed a fugitive, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so he's like, oh, screw it. I can't deal with my representation of the law anymore. So I'm going to keep going. And then, you know, uh, the mental anguish of when he's living in the basement of this, uh, like kind of Russian immigrant mom and son <laughs> thing, you know, and then he's like living in the basement and they go arrest the son because he's like pushing dope on 12 yeah. year olds, allegedly, yeah. which is wild. <laughs> like, like your, your, yeah. your consumer base is, is like prepubescent people girls, who don't have and, money. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what's going on? Like, I, I don't know. And then, you know, and then you see him kind of like, oh, it's not for me. You know, it's not my mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I think my favorite moment of the film is, is he jumps out of off of a freaking um, dam. Yeah, you know, he yeah, uh, he does yeah. a swan dive into like you know this this moment when Tommy Lee Jones, the U.S. Marshal, is right behind him, um, closing in on him. You know, fully has all the power in this you know uh, police and fugitive yeah. relationship. You know, <laughs> and um, Harrison Ford just just jumps off of aquatic cliff you know and um it makes it and then they can't find him he wakes up and he my favorite scene is when he starts walking into this train like this cave of like this train goes through and you see him just kind of walking into the darkness and mm -hmm. you know it's it's obviously like a, a great metaphor of like the unknown and mm -hmm. this journey that we're about to go on but it's also like the mental part of it is just yeah. like i i'm blind like i have no idea what i'm doing you know, I'm out and uh, I'm back into this world where I know I'm supposed to be. I know I'm innocent. I know I'm a free man. But, you know, it's, you know, I, everything's against me now, even more yeah. so than before. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's wild, you know, watching that, that mental trajectory and all these, these signposts along the way of him just, like, losing more and more of his inhibition as a citizen. Yeah. No, and I think in to what you're just saying, the preceding moment of that is like, you know, one of like the most famous scenes in all of movie history, at the very least of 90s film, right? Where it's just, they're standing on, they finally see each other for the first time. It's a standoff. Yeah. He, uh, you know, Richard Kimball realizes uh, that he doesn't have anywhere to go, right? Like, he, and it, they're like, and he says, I didn't kill my wife. And then Tommy Lee Jones says, uh, Sam Gerard says, I don't care. And, you know, for one thing, like, it gets me every single time. Like, it, it, nothing diminishes about that scene, right? Like, for me, it's perfect every single time. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. It's the, it's sort of, I mean, he's already been to prison uh, and been convicted, but I think that's the moment that he sort of 
realizes just what like level of injustice he's dealing with right like he's still trying to appeal to some form of truth and Mm -hmm. and a belief that like oh here's someone who's like in charge here's like obviously i've been running away from them but if i just let him know that like i didn't do it he'll care right and it's just like no, they absolutely <laughs> do not. And then he's forced into jumping into off the dam because it's just like, what other options is he presented with? And it's just like the failure to see that the quote unquote justice system has doesn't have his interest at heart whatsoever. Totally. Totally. You know, it's like a it's like a let me talk to the manager moment. You know, he's like he's really he's really hoping like, please, please let them realize like I have at least some right in this equation, you know what I mean? And then yeah. and then we see it with the other with the other fugitive, Coleman, you know, he mm-hmm. him and Kimball get out of this insane train wreck, you know, that kind of starts the, mm-hmm. the fugitive aspect of the film. And Apparently that train set is still exists in North Carolina where it was shot, which is, I'm really intrigued by it. I've never been out there, but apparently it's still out there. Um, And, you know, Coleman, he gets out, but then he gets, he, you know, puts another U.S. Marshal in jeopardy, holds him Mm -hmm. hostage, takes his gun to his head. Similar to Kimball's situation, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, but he was not the only man with a gun in the room. Gerard comes around the corner and there goes Coleman, you know, and, but you're right, you know, you're a fugitive on the law, like you're, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff not going your way. (laughs) And a conversation, (laughs) like, Like there's no customer service. My girlfriend and I were laughing about this earlier. She's and I was like, just recounting how it's like, yeah, he doesn't care, and he's just like, yeah, that's several crimes ago. Like, I don't give a shit about that one right now. Like, you yeah. committed several other crimes, right? That I'm focused on. But here's the thing about that. Like, I think uh, you brought up Coleman, which I think is such a, a it sets up this. Um, Sets up a sort of dichotomy that, like, in which there's some very real reality-based stuff in here, but then some completely Hollywood blockbuster film stuff, right? Where, like, yes, Coleman, as a black man, obviously got shot, right? Like, they tracked him down very easily, and they shot him dead. There was no negotiating with him. There's none of that, right? So you're looking at that in comparison to Richard Kimball's situation, and, like, yes, on the, in the course of all of this, I feel like there are moments that he definitely could have been, you know, captured or what, what have you, but we're left to, uh, you know, his own ingenuity, which I, which I want to get to um, in, in oh. being able to escape. But, you know, if I, if I turn my brain on to think about this film, I'm like, None of this would have ever happened, right? (laughs) Because there is no way that the police show up to his home and his wife is dead and he says, I didn't kill her. And they they don't believe him, right? Like that they don't go to the, the all the links 
to ensure that he's protected. Like, that's just the way that this would go down. And so you're just oh, left with this Hollywood creation of, like, no, they don't believe the upstanding do- rich doctor, white male doctor. Like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, that's the way the justice system works for most of us. <laughs> but for him, it would have worked a completely different way. Totally. No, I mean, it's insane, you know. And could the completely different way... The fact that uh, the fact that the cops thought that there was such greed involved in his like malice, he's like, you know, that was the oh, this Chicago PD does not look very good in this movie at all, and you know they they look pretty uh, incompetent in this in this movie. I'll just talk about it in the context of this movie. And, uh, they, uh, you know, they don't look too good, and they're like, you know, she was richer, of course this rich, upstanding, successful mm. doctor would murder his richer wife. Like, that's the whole goal, you know? It's like, it's almost like this uber-whiteness, like, fantasy of just, like, yeah. this guy has, like, he's so successful that he has to be more successful. And yeah. it's like, that's, I mean, that's pretty wild and completely ignores history and, like, all these other, yeah. you know, contexts that we're looking at here. And you're right, like, the benefit of the doubt between Coleman and Richard Kimball, even though they end up in the same place... Is, is totally different, you know, and it's insane how much class kind of clouds the local police department's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this overwhelmingly driving force that totally precedes race, you know, in, yeah. in the case of Richard Kimball. And that was always wild to me. And then there's also a lot of white passing elements that Richard Kimball does mm-hmm. in, in the movie, you know. It's funny when after he goes through that cave, he dyes his hair black and on the mm-hmm. carton is a black man, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, he's, it's like this odd, almost appropriation, but not, it's just like, he's going undercover mm-hmm. and like, did he have to go into like a weave store to get that product? <laughs> like, did he have to go like, where, like what did Richard Kimball do? I don't know. Like, like, how did he come up on the dye? I don't, I really don't know, but like he found it, he did it, you know, and his, his navigation of space is totally different than someone like Coleman, you know, Coleman goes back to his old neighborhood get shot pretty much you know richard kimball goes back to downtown chicago and can kind of lurk around for at least for a little bit yeah um and it's really it's really interesting it's it's a huge part of the film that um is is really interesting to to think about you know Um, when you kind of think about the world of the early 90s this is also this was released in the summer of 93 you have blockbusters like jurassic park coming Mm -hmm. out around the same time which is Mm -hmm. wild to think about and then the next year is OJ. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a wealthy black athlete celebrity accused yeah. of murdering two people, one of which is his wife. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird, <laughs> in the context of this movie and the characters in it, oh, man. I'm, I'm curious if any think pieces at the time came out kind of connecting some of these like cultural dots, not that there needed to be one at the time, sure. but I'm, you know, it's, it's very interesting, this um, idea of local police are fucking up and Richard Kimball can be an innocent man amidst these, you know, the LA riots are happening amidst mm-hmm. all this other stuff that's happening in the world that, you know, in the context of a movie, you can kind of forget about. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, man, that's such a good point about the timing of this and like what was going on culturally. And I just I didn't make that connection until you, you did that for us. And I was like, oh, shit, I do wonder like how it was, how we were, how people were thinking about like this film in connection to and like looking at 
white Richard Kimball Harrison Ford uh, being a fugitive portrayed on the big screen for millions of people to watch and then millions of people tuning in to watch the downfall of this like celebrated black <laughs> athlete like in a very similar situation though OJ definitely did it um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah man yeah. And, but it's interesting too uh, you brought up the point about class and it's like a very small thing to like I think but like a signifier that I think they just got wrong in that Richard Kimball, before he goes on the run, has a beard. And I'm just uh, like, that's not what men of his, cl- like he has a full beard, right? Like yeah. men of his class, men of his station just wouldn't have been doing that. But I think that what's necessary for the film is that he has to shave it off to be able to pull off the camouflage of being a white man in this city to be able to walk around because it's like if he had the beard like he would stand out so it's like they have to reverse that even though it's not true to his class station totally and like all the the wanted poster of richard kimball he has a full beard you know and to your point though there's this really subtle moment when towards the end of the film you know he has just beat up the one-armed man on on Mm -hmm. the l which is wild. And, you know, he does like the, the kick out of the, the subway mm-hmm. train and gets to the convention center where, you know, his former classmate turned, you know, hired murderer accomplice, you know, is about to speak. Um, uh, I'm forgetting his name now, the character's name. I have it right here. Uh, with, um, not with uh, Charles Nichols. Dr. Charles mm-hmm. Nichols is about to speak. As he's going into the convention hall on the escalator, he like adjusts his collar and he adjusts mm-hmm. his blazer and he has blood on his face. It doesn't, I mean, his collar, it doesn't matter. He does that type of formalizing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, that type of passing that he knows yeah. in this space, like will offer him whatever type of clearance or passing. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's funny to see those moments, you know, um, he knows that uh, that same doctor is going to be at the country club at a certain time and he can mm-hmm. kind of lurk around and find him there. You know, he knows, he knows the routes of that nature. Uh, even navigating the hospital the way he does is kind of, uh, you know, a part of his job, right? But, right. you know, he's, he's going to his former colleagues and saying, what's up, help me solve this crime. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it also speaks to his navigation. So it's interesting yeah. how, in Chicago at least, you know, when he's on the road, you really feel how exposed he is. And, you know, he's yeah. jacking mechanics for their <laughs> wardrobes and stuff. You know, things like that are pretty sleuthy. How bad's that here? It's terrible. I'm going to have permanent hearing damage. Let me see it. Can you hear what I'm saying now? Yeah. I don't bark it. You hear that? So, so that brings me to another thing that I was, I, and let me preface by saying, I do love this film so, so much. There are just some little things oh, here and there that I'm just like, we have to suspend disbelief just because like, again, Hollywood blockbuster starring Harrison Ford, there's just going to be some, some passing over some, some ideas here and just like to get us a, a, you know, a well-constructed plot that moves quickly, like is exciting (laughs) and all of those things. But I will say this, 
in all of his like escape and his navigation of his criminal life at this point, right? Like he does so many things that help him escape and so many commits so many other crimes engages in so many criminal activities that are like just a mind at work, right? Like super <laughs> smart, like you absolutely, but my thing in that was just like, yes, it's exciting to watch him do all of those things, but it's this idea that there's a one-to-one transference of his type of intelligence to a criminal type of intelligence where it's just like, no, you know, like just being smart doesn't like transfer. It doesn't correlate. Like the, the reason that criminals or like criminals quote unquote are as sleuthy and like deceptive and all of this is by necessity that they hone it over years, right? Like if you if you yeah. just jump into criminal activity, you're going to get caught because you don't know all the <laughs> ins and outs. And it's not just a matter of you being intelligent and thinking that because this man is a doctor, he's a cardiovascular cert, like all of that stuff. Obviously, he'd be able to figure out and be duplicitous and all of that. Like, no, that's something that you hone very specific, a skill set you hone specifically for the line of work that you choose that is illegal. And it's just <laughs> like there's there's just some very like white male hero stuff going on where it's just oh, like, yeah. well, he's smart. So obviously he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, and, and criminals are that dumb. Like, right. Like, you know, because, like, the transference doesn't go the other way. It's like, oh, so if you do dirt, you can do surgeries? Like, right. you know, if, you're, if, you live off the, if you live off the books, you can just go into the OR and, like, uh, right. start getting, start saving kids? Like, no one's so, making that argument. You know? Yeah, it doesn't go both ways. But for Kimball, it's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll just do this. And, our, uh, you know... I mean to quote Mob D, there's ain't no such thing ain't no such thing as halfway halfway crooks. crooks. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. You can't just you can't jump in and out of this. I'm sorry. No. Even John John Wick, you know, most recently. It's like you're in or you're out. If you're drinking here, you are in this you know what I mean? And like you better know what's going on here. Like like I mean we you know before we started recording we talked about moving to a new city and that's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a new city now and i kind of want to know where i shouldn't be you know what i mean right. like like wh- where are the lines of regulations here and the rules of engagement and it's inter- it's interesting though because you're totally right and in terms of kimball's kind of like navigation of criminality and one thing is when he goes to visit the prisoner, which is wild you know a fugitive mm-hmm. on the run going to a jail to see a, a, a one-armed prisoner he gets out of there. He gets he gets caught by uh, a Bernard. He's on the run. He talks to the cops that are nearby and says, "Officer, there's a guy uh, waving a gun yeah. at a woman," and starts just leveling up the layers mm-hmm. of like of like flags and all this other stuff of like this is what a police officer should be worried about, not yes. me. And then he goes on his merry way. He gets shot at, which I think is kind of like an is like almost like a cinematic olive branch thrown to the viewer of like, hey, Bernard will also shoot at Kimball. Like, yeah. I know he killed Copeland, but he'll kill he'll kill Kimball too, y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. just be aware. Like, and so that which you know ups the stakes, up the stakes throughout the movie. But you know, he interacts with police and jail and incarceration in these ways that you know an, uh, the everyday criminal is just not. You know, and and uh, I don't see like. 
uh, you know, clips dedicating a verse to Richard Kimball anytime soon. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just not like that level of criminality. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't merit that, but you know, it's, but Hey, if you can, if you can, you know, live in a legal living and jump into an OR and save a kid's life or be like a, a janitor and look at a kid's x-ray and be like, you know what? That other doctor, he didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. I got you. I'm going to sign off. You're going to go into surgery. It's going to be great. You know, like, <laughs> Maybe that'll solve our healthcare yeah. problems in this country. Who knows? But that—that's my thing. It's just like we're uh, to get a little. It's like we dismiss the potential of like that ingenuity that is formed in a criminal lifestyle, right? Like Absolutely. as if it cannot transfer to anything else. But yeah. it's like this form of intelligence is able to travel wherever and it's just like no richard kimball <laughs> richard kimball's moving through certain parts of chicago all right? right like he's moving through certain parts of chicago he's not touching those other ones where that like he just doesn't know the codes can't speak the language and like wouldn't be able to get away with half the shit that he gets away with in his movie <laughs> He's like, I do the loop, and I do, you know, right. the suburbs, right. and then, you know, everything in between. When I go to Cook County, I have the private security parking lot, you know, we're good there, so. Exactly. But yeah, he's not on the L taking, that might have been his first subway ride right. in like 20 years, right. you know, like, right. Right. with coins and stuff. He didn't have like the local card ready to go. Yeah. And also, he's not—he's not getting away with that punch that he gets on the one arm man because that's oh, one of the man. worst punches. That—that was, that was the train's momentum. That was the only <laughs> muscle was just the train pulling them. But I think Richard knew, like, I have enough muscle to pull the E chord, but I don't have enough muscle without the train to knock this guy out. One arm, be damned! Like, oh, you know, this guy lost his arm in the line of duty. You know, oh, yeah. and uh, he was a. You know, it's, but that's another thing of like, why that guy to be the hitman? You know, like, with all due respect yeah. to people with one arm or no arms, it's like, I don't know if, like, this guy's just so greasy with it. You know, I don't know. He's just obviously a criminal or like yeah. some other type of sociopath. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. But he played it, he played it well. He played it well. Cool. He played it well. You never give up, Rachel, do you? You never give up! This is the part of this conversation where I admit something to you uh, about this film and my relationship to it and saying again how much I watch it so many times, like at least like twice a year probably, like love watching it so much. But I still don't understand this subplot around whatever it is that Nichols is involved in and like what oh. what he says he switched the same I still don't get what what the relevance is or what was going on I just it just washes over me I can't process it for the life of me oh yeah yeah this is this is a great hole in the the story plot that my my wife and I talk about constantly and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. So, you know, we have this pharmaceutical company, Devlin McGregor, they're invested in this type of, uh, experimental treatment called RDU90 mm -hmm. that gets rebranded called as a probasic, uh, which I imagine is one of those like pharmaceutical TV commercials that like people outside of America laugh at Americans at, you know, <laughs> yes. just like, Oh my God, all these side effects are going to die. Like, why yeah. would you take this? <laughs> You know, but RDU90 is like Cook County. They have some type of deal that 
um, this guy Lentz was a part of, or or that Charles Nichols is really driving, it seems. Mm-hmm. And then Lentz is kind of this middleman, but or maybe a, a former boss of Nichols and Kimball. So this guy, you know, Dr. Charles Nichols is basically... We see in one of the flashback scenes that Kimball sees that like all the organs and stuff get messed up that this pharmaceutical crap isn't doing mm-hmm. anything. And so what I think what we realize from Dr. Jane Lynch later in the movie <laughs> is, you know, and she has some really cool lapels on too. She yeah. has like some very like progressive lapels. Yeah. Uh, if, if people want to like pause and zoom in, it's, there's some cool shit there. Um, but, uh, you know, she realizes that Nichols has been lying about the data, has been pulling all the data from a single organ, not multiple organs. Okay. So just so just one patient to prove this larger multiple patients thorough study allegedly. Mm-hmm. And when I think when his boss Lentz finds out that Nichols is full of shit, Lentz gets killed in that auto automobile accident on the same day that all the liver samples get signed off on by Lentz. If and this is where it gets confused. I don't know if Lentz signs off and then gets murked out or yeah. if, if it's like Nichols signed off in Lentz's name on the way to killing Lentz or something like that. I don't know. It, it's confusing there, but that guy gets killed. And then Kimball is also aware of how, you know, terrible this medication is. And they go send the one-armed man to, to off Kimball and his wife is there and his wife is there and then it gets you know messy so to speak and then um but there was some cordial agreement between Nichols and Kimball about borrowing his car for the night or something like that Mm -hmm. to get the no forced entry so that's where Nichols his whole alibi unfolds is he called the hitman from Kimball's car but yeah, I think the pharmaceutical thing is there was so much money at stake. You know, early '90s, this company's making seven billion dollars a year. Yeah. That's 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 good now, and you know, <laughs> all things considered, and uh, you know, for a private pharmaceutical company, and um, uh, I think the, the financial stakes for Nichols were so much invested into the study and this payoff, and I think he gets. We learn later in that conference or presentation that he's going to get a promotion or something or mm-hmm. chairman of whatever um, cardiology and stuff like there's That's where all the money is for him is like getting this deal done. It's almost like his like oil pipeline. Like we must drill and make this happen. It's like, like I need to get this pharmaceutical deal done okay. to, to get paid. But again, like there's, there's plots and there's some holes in that. And there's like, would it's- you really off your boys for this like, <laughs> kill your boss and your college classmate these guys knew each other from harvard like right each other for decades like jeez man it, yeah it's 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 incredibly convoluted even listen to you like lay it out for me there i'm just like okay okay but really all like nichols wants to kill kimball and they just killed his wife instead. That's like, it feels like all that I really yeah. like need when watching the film because yeah. like all of the other stuff just feels like it. It it just feels like okay, we needed to throw something else in here. Like we needed to establish yeah. some motive, but like let's make it the most complicated motive in the entire world that no one can follow. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like oh yeah okay, but it does. 
but it has to do with money. You know, it and has to do with money, and it goes back money. to that whole like this yeah. whole rich thing and stuff, and like this pursuit of money thing, and it's just really. I tr- I try to remember about like early '90s. Like I was born in '84, so like trying to think about early '90s. Mm-hmm. Like what was the controversies of the time? And there was a lot of like, I'll sue you because of this, or I'll yes. take you to the court. Like people's court is on TV, right? You know. Um, I remember like growing up in Southern California, like all these car insurance commercials or like mm-hmm. ambulance chaser culture for lawyers started to begin. Yeah, this kind of idea of like corrupt middlemen, you know, and. Uh, so I think like all that is kind of coming into the popular conscious too a little bit mm-hmm. of just like, you know, the crooked lawyer, crooked doctor kind of thing. But, but man, like it really doesn't explain the stakes for me either. Like yeah. I, I'm still like, damn, like all I, that for what? I, I I totally agree that like that what what you're sort of seeing is like the crooked doctor pharmaceutical industry that's been like exploiting people and like just feeding you all of these pills and things that, and medications that you don't need. Expl- like, okay, that I can get with, right? I think they could have simplified it. <laughs> For a big blockbuster movie, I feel like we could have simplified that just a little bit. Oh, um, and and it, we still would have had the same kind of excitement happening. If not, like... Even more so, just because I'd be able to be like, "Oh yeah, he like fucked some shit up," and he like you know just be able to follow without more of the sort of like. It feels like a lot of technical jargon gets thrown in there, and it's just like a nod to again sort of the class station of these people that like it's part of the the their world, and then and then it's being like, "Well, I'm so outside of it that I just don't speak that language, you know, and so it makes it hard for me to follow, but still just some great action and the great like you know, and the cat and mouse just like works right like when yeah. you have uh when you have a Tommy Lee Jones who's just like built for that right like he's just <laughs> built to be the bulldog and he does it several times right like it's like he does it here he does it in the kind of sequel not exactly sequel u.s marshals when he's got he's chasing wesley snipes and then he does it again in uh no country for old men right like he's he's there and like he just i mean he's sort of like on the other he's not as like active he's sort of like the old timer like grizzled in that movie like so he's not doing all the running and chasing the same way that he, he did in these movies but it's just like tommy lee jones has that look has that affect and is able to pull that off very well to just be like i'm the dogged old like uh you know uh your official and I'm here to do my job, and nothing's getting away of me doing my job. And he's just got that down, and it makes for a great cat and mouse thriller. All the other stuff in the fugitive, I'm just like, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's landing quite like you wanted to. Oh yeah, uh, big time. One thing that really I think holds the, holds the film together is the score. The mm. score is is mm. amazing, and yeah. uh, I think it was like. I think it was academy award nominated but the whole like dun, 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 that whole yeah, sequence is like sure. my favorite thing and it's a slapper like i know like yeah. uh recently on on social they had like the their social like this video went viral like the customer service song that has like a beat to it that people are like dancing to it's mm. like a tiktok like 
people should tune into the fugitive now. It's got, it's, it's got some beats. I want to see it sampled in like in some crazy like Madlib beat or something. Like it'd be rad to oh, see the fugitive. Yeah, oh, just let Madlib have fun with it oh, and he'll yeah. make some magic. But oh, yeah. you know, there's some keys, there's some strings. We'll see. But you know, I, I really think the score helps keep keeps the viewer like on that suspenseful tip that you're talking about, and yeah. just like that cat and mouse is a is a really great great way to uh frame it and uh in a totally different way than something like con air or something mm-hmm. like you know but u.s marshals is great and you know if people like the fugitive and haven't checked yeah. out u.s marshals that's that's a real real grimy one too a real yeah. fun one it's wild to me i saw I actually saw u.s marshals before i saw the fugitive um it's because oh, yeah. I, I mean i was born in 86 and like you know 93 I wasn't going, I wasn't begging my parents to take me to see the future, <laughs> you know, yeah. just wasn't, wasn't it. But yeah, I remember U.S. Marshals and like loving U.S. Marshals so much and then realizing like, oh, the fugitive is that same character, um, Sam Gerard. And then they're you know, like, okay, I should watch this. I'll watch this one. Yeah. And love the fugitive. Love it so much. Jose, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from The Fugitive? Oh, man. Uh, well, like, when when Kimball walks through the tunnel on the train tracks, that's definitely a big lasting image for me. Um, one funny kind of image is when, towards the end, when Kimball's on the roof fighting uh, Dr. Charles Nichols and Tommy Lee Jones is, is uh, Sam Gerard's chasing him. CPD is like, if you get a clear shot, you take him out, and then there's like a quick pan up to the top of the building mm. um it's just so comical to me that like it, how architected that shot is and just how you know the guys on the phone full trench coat <laughs> you know and just like this full stereotype of like a of a chicago cop just yeah. being like if you you get a clear shot you take them out it's just like a <laughs> it's like some mob hit business you know and uh very very uh uh, retribution type uh, actions on on behalf of that officer, but yeah. uh, I don't know why, but that scene always sticks out just for how kind of comical the hit is, yeah. you know. And obviously, Kimball survives, and Tommy Lee Jones says, "You know, I don't want to get shot," you know. It's like so, but yeah, th- those two scenes, the tunnel and him uh, and and the cop with the hit, was pretty uh, always stand out to me. I will say though, I cannot watch the first like. 15 minutes of this movie like like the murder scene and all that i fast forward i go straight to him in line with coleman about to get transferred like i can't it's just a little too hard i don't know what it is like it's just it it, they they do a very good job of demonstrating that that murder and it's yeah i don't know especially like i mentioned earlier like i watch it with my wife all the time and the Mm -hmm. two of us are just like let's just fast forward this yeah We'll yeah, just go yeah. to the, yeah. the train scene. Yeah, train scene. makes sense. Uh, the, the gratuitous violence against women that we just do, we just don't need. Like, we don't uh, need that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need that. Yeah, Jose, thank you so much. Thank you. Real pleasure. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts, and or sign up for the Lit Hub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Next week, the power of language to unlock time, plus aliens. <laughs>